Isn't it good to know that God does hold on to us? We can cast our cares on Him because He cares for us. Last few weeks, we've been talking about needs that we have. I'm not talking about food and clothing and shelter and things of that nature. We know that we have those needs, and, and I believe that probably as we look back, God has taken care of us and provided for us. But there are some needs that we have that enable us to be what God wants us to be and do what God wants us to do. Two weeks ago, we talked about the need for faith. In this day and age, do we need faith? We certainly do. Our tendency is to worry. Our tendency is to fear. But we don't have to worry. We don't have to fear because we know that God is with us, that he never leaves us, he never forsakes us. And we can indeed cast our cares on him because he cares for us. Jesus three times in Matthew 6 said, do not worry. That's a command that we need to obey because we have faith. We are confident that God loves us and that God works things together for good. Last week, we talked about our need for focus. It is very easy to get distracted in this day and age. Do you remember the time before internet? How many of you remember the time before internet? Some of you don't. Uh, Internet's been around all your life, but many of us, we didn't have computers. We didn't have cell phones. Some of us didn't have our dedicated line. We had we had those lines where, where it was a party line and people could pick it up and listen to what you had to say. Technology has changed significantly and it's easy to get distracted by the different things that are going on around us. We didn't used to have news all day long. Remember those days? Uh, generally speaking, you had the 7 o'clock report and the 11 o'clock report or something of that nature. And now we have 24-7, we have internet news, and so on and so on. It's easy to be distracted, and what we need to do is to focus. Matthew 6:33, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then these other things will be added to us. To set our affection on things above, to seek those things which are above, not the things on the earth. Uh, we need to, to have focus on the things which are most important. Now, actually, focus and discipline go together. We're going to talk about the need for discipline, the priority of discipline this morning. And the reality is that being able to focus on the right thing takes what? It takes discipline. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's hard sometimes to discipline ourselves to do what we ought to do. Monday morning, I woke up and it was raining. Do you remember Monday morning? Well, it's rained a lot this year, has it not? Uh, but Monday morning, it was raining. And, I, and when my clock went off, I thought to myself, no, this is not good. Because I had raked a lot of leaves in the yard and so on. I had put them out by the road. Uh, because I'm in the city, they pick up the leaves and so on. It was, it was the day for them to do it. But I like to be considerate of others. Have you ever had somebody's leaves blow into your yard? Uh, that's not a fun thing to do. And the Bible says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So I put a tarp over my leaves so they would not blow into somebody's yard. But the tarp had to come off uh, so that they could pick up the leaves. So when I woke up about seven o'clock, I had to go out there in the rain and take the tarp off. Now I thought to myself, you know, those leaves can wait a couple of weeks. It won't matter. But then I thought to myself, I'm preaching on Discipline Sunday, so I need to go ahead and, and do what I need to do whether, whether I want to 
or not. So I got up, and I went, and I took the tarp off the leaves. And it worked out well. They got the leaves and all that kind of stuff. I did get wet while I was doing it, uh, but, but I, I was disciplined. The problem is not that we can't discipline ourselves sometimes. The problem is that sometimes we are not consistently disciplined. I've got to admit that once or twice during the course of this week, I have hit the snooze button. Well, I actually don't have an alarm that has a snooze button. Well, I do. On my phone, there is a snooze button. But what I do is I set my alarm for two or three different times so that if I don't wake up the first time, it's going to go off again. Uh, a lot of times I'll set my, my alarm for 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And I'll set it for 7.07, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened to you. And, and, and I, just, uh, I just hope that, that I get up the first time, but sometimes I don't. Why? Because sometimes I'm not as disciplined as I ought to be. Now Jesus was disciplined. In Mark 1.35, it indicates that Jesus woke up Early in the morning, a great while before day, and went into a solitary place, and there he prayed. He was disciplined, and we need to develop discipline as well. Four steps from 1 Timothy chapter 4. If you'll take your, <coughs> take your Bibles, turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. <coughs> the primary verses. Is verse number seven. It says, "Exercise yourself toward godliness." Uh, some of your some of your Bibles say, "Discipline yourself toward godliness." Let's read verses six through eight. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. But reject profane and old wives' fables. And exercise yourself toward godliness, for bodily exercise profits a little. But godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we pray that you will give us wisdom as we look at this portion of Scripture. Help us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we can become more disciplined in in being what you want us to be and doing what you want us to do for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Paul's talking to Timothy. Timothy was a young pastor, and, and Timothy had a tendency to be timid. He had a tendency uh, not to be proactive, and, and Paul had to encourage him and exhort him sometime in regard to some of his habits. He wanted Timothy to be disciplined when it came to being what God wanted him to be and doing what God wanted him to do, being the minister, the servant of God that God wanted him to be. And I believe as we look at this portion of Scripture, there, there are four different steps that we need to take in order to develop discipline like God wants us to. Number one, decide what is important. Decide what is important. Now, the reality is God has already decided what is important. We just need to agree with what he says. But but let's just say, decide what is important. And for Paul, his perspective was that it was important for Timothy to be a good minister. I believe it's important for me to be a good minister as well. How do I do that? Verse number 6. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, 
nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. As we look at this portion of Scripture, there, there are three things that Timothy needed to do in order to be a good minister. Number one, he needed to focus on the Word. Notice that it says in the middle of the verse, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine. In other words, he needed to make sure that he was ingesting the Word of God, that he was spending time in the Word of God. 1 Timothy 2.2, 2, it says, it says um, that we need to, as, as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the Word that we might grow by it. The reality is that we, as we saturate ourselves in God's Word, it helps us to grow, spiritually speaking. As we spend time in God's Word, we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. So we need to be nourished by the Word. We need to make sure that we are studying and learning and understanding God's Word so that we can be what God wants us to be. Not only reading it, but studying it. Not only studying it, but memorizing it as well. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. We should focus on the word of God. I, as a pastor, need to focus on God's word. In fact, in Acts chapter 6, verse number 4, the apostles determined that they needed to give themselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So there needs to be a focus on the word if we want to be a good minister. Number two, we need to follow the doctrine. Look at, at verse number six again. It says this. After it says, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine, which you have carefully followed. In other words, if I want to be a good minister, I need to not only learn the word of God, I need to obey the word of God. I need to follow the doctrine and do what it says. Carefully follow the good doctrine. That reminds me of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, which says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished to all good works. I need to follow the doctrine. Focus on the Word. Follow the doctrine. And if I want to be a good minister, I also need to feed the sheep. The way that Paul puts it in, in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 6, it says, if you instruct the brethren in these things. In other words, if I communicate the word of God to people, that helps me to be a good minister. To focus on the word, to follow the doctrine, to feed the sheep. Ezra 7.10 talks about Ezra having a similar perspective. It says, Ezra prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and ordinances. In other words, he sought to seek the law of the Lord, to learn it, and to do it, follow the doctrine, and then to teach in Israel statutes and ordinances. He wanted to feed the sheep, just like Jesus told Peter to do in John chapter 21. Well, I want to be a good minister. And so what I need to do is to focus on the word, follow the doctrine, and feed the sheep. Now, really, this applies to each and every one of us to some extent. Maybe not as far as our profession, but as far as Christian living. We need to learn the Word of God to, to focus on the Word. We need to do the Word of God. We need to follow the doctrine. And we need to communicate with one another, exhort one another, encourage one another. We need to feed the sheep, so to speak, just like Ezra did, just like Paul 
told Timothy to do. But I believe that as we think about our lives, we need to not only be good ministers, but we need to be genuine disciples. And a genuine disciple is going to do the exact same thing. A, a disciple is a student that follows the master and listens to his teacher and does what his teacher uh, does, says and does. So if we're a, a, gen, a genuine disciple, we're going to focus on the Word of God. We're going to follow his teaching and we are going to feed the sheep. A couple of verses that go along with that. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 4. Again, Paul is talking to Timothy and he said, The things that you've learned from me among many witnesses, the same commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. God's plan is that we communicate to a, a, very, a various number of men who in turn they communicate to other men. I think this applies to women as well. We disciple others. We become a disciple and we disciple others, teaching them the Word of God. And, and of course, if we're going to teach them the Word of God, we need to do the Word of God. It's a matter of show and tell. Not just do what I say, but do what I do. By this, we know that we love Him if we keep His commandments. 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 3. It has to do with an abiding relationship with Jesus Christ which enables us to bear much fruit so that we can glorify God. That's in John chapter 15. John ch chapter 15 verse number 5 talks about us abiding in Christ and bearing much fruit. In John 15 and verse number 8 it says this. John chapter 15 and verse number 8 by this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. So we abide in Christ. We, we focus on his words. We spend time with him. We bear much fruit. We do what God wants us to do. And as a result, God is glorified, and we are genuine disciples. My guess is that many of you want to be genuine disciples, especially those of you who came out in the rain today. You really do want to follow Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean the ones that are online don't want to follow Jesus Christ. I know there are various reasons that some of you can't be here today. But many of us love God's Word. We love God. We want to live for Him. We want to truly be what God wants us to be. But in order to get there, we need to decide what is important. Is it important for us to focus on the Word of God, to do the Word of God, and to communicate the Word of God with others. Well, number one, we need to make sure that we decide what is important. Number two, do not get distracted. Look at verse number seven, the first part of it, 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number seven. It says, but reject profane and old wives' fables. Now, we could, we could get into to exactly what that had to do with, but basically it was a distraction. Instead of focusing on the Word of God, there was a focus on other things. There was a focus on things that were not scriptural and did not profit. That's basically what it says in verse number 8. And, and that's exactly what we do sometimes. We focus on things that really do not matter. They might be interesting. They might be fun. They, they might be something that we enjoy, but they really don't matter in the light of eternity. Does that mean we can't do anything fun, that we can't have any hobbies? No, I don't believe it means that. 
I believe that it means that we just need to have the right priorities, that we need to make sure that God is indeed first in our lives. I've said this before, that most of us theoretically would say, well, God needs to be first, and, and then our families and people, and then our job and, and hobbies and things like that. But the reality is that when we evaluate our lives, we examine our lives, we come to a realization that a lot of times our job and, and our hobbies are number one. Our, our family and people are number two, and God is number three. If God is number one in our lives, it will show. And we need to be careful not to be distracted from that which is important. Like we said last week, we need to make sure that we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Or like Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. It's a matter of, number one, deciding what is important. Number two, not getting distracted, instead focusing on what is important. Number three, discipline yourself toward godliness. That's what it says in verse number seven, the latter part of the verse. It says, reject profane and old wise fables and exercise or discipline yourself toward godliness. It's a matter of doing what we ought to, whether we want to, or not. I think that's important because, because sometimes we recognize what we ought to be doing, but we just don't make ourselves do it. We don't discipline ourselves to do it. Reminds me of, of, of Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness. And what's the last one? Self-control. If we are self-controlled, we will control ourselves and make sure that we do what it is that's important. We will do what God wants us to do. And, and so as, as, we, as we think about discipline, it's a matter of allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our lives in such a way that we do what God wants us to do, whether we feel like it or not, whether we think it's a good idea or not, bringing ourselves under the authority of Scripture and doing what God wants us to do. Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 and 2, talks about laying aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets us and running with patience the race set before us, looking unto Jesus. There are, there's a lot in those two verses. But one of the things is this. We put aside anything that holds us back from living for God, whether it's a weight or whether it's a sin, whether it's a distraction or whether it is something that we're doing which is totally against God's word and is displeasing to him. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 27, talks about running the race as well. And Paul said this in verse number 27, I beat my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. I beat my body and make it my slave. That's what discipline's all about. It's doing what we ought to, whether we want to or not. In the athletic world, it might mean waking up an hour early and going out and running several miles. Uh, that, that's something that, that many of us uh, would not even dream of doing. Of course, some of us are a little older and we're, we're, we know that we are not going to be a professional athletes or whatever. But we do need to discipline ourselves in order to be able to be what God wants us to be and do what he wants us to do. Number one, decide what is important. 
Number two, do not get distracted. Number three, discipline yourself toward godliness. And then number four, develop biblical thinking. Because if we have biblical thinking, it's going to help us to take biblical action. It's going to help us to be disciplined. Look at verse number eight. After saying, discipline yourself toward godliness, Paul said to Timothy, for bodily exercise profits a little. But godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Now, some of your Bibles might say, for bodily exercise profits a little. In all probability, it's for bodily exercise profits a little. In other words, exercising, physical exercise, is good for you. It is profitable. But when it comes to priorities, when it comes to levels of importance, physical exercise is not nearly as important as disciplining yourself toward godliness or exercising yourself toward godliness. In other words, we need to reevaluate our priorities. We need to ask ourselves the question, what is important to us? When we come to the end of our lives, would we rather somebody say, well, he was in shape? Or would we rather somebody say, he loved God, he loved people, and he lived for God? Now, that's a good question, is it not? Not, not a bad exercise to, to think toward when we die, what's going to be said at our funeral. And, and most of us, as we live our lives, we don't live our lives in the light of eternity. We, we live our lives for the here and now. And for the here and now, it might feel good to exercise. And it's, it's a good thing to exercise. But what's more important? What's more important, according to God's word, is to exercise ourselves toward godliness. Again, verse number 8, bodily exercise profits a little. But godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Exercise toward godliness helps us here and now. It also helps us for all eternity. So we need to reevaluate our priorities and we need to resolve to do what is profitable in the light of eternity. Makes sense, doesn't it? When, when we think about what's really important in God's eyes, what lasts for eternity, we need to do that. We need to resolve to do what is profitable in the light of eternity. And so often that is not the perspective that people in the world have that we tend to have. It was a problem for Eve. She wasn't focused on what God wanted. She wasn't focused on eternity. She was focused on what seemed to be good for her right then. And, and in John, 1 John 2, verses 15 through 17, John addressed this. He said, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust of it. But he that does the will of God abides forever. As we look at God's word, isn't it clear that the most important thing is not the here and now, but the most important thing is eternity. And we need to be making sure that we are focused on eternity. That we are seeking those things which are above. Setting our affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Colossians chapter 3, 
verses 1 and 2. Over the last couple of weeks, we've looked at Matthew chapter 6. It's appropriate, I think, to look at it one more time. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. In that portion of Scripture, Jesus is talking about finances. He actually talks a good bit about finances in the Word of God. It says this, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Our tendency is to focus on the earth and lay up for ourselves treasures on earth. And it's not a bad thing to do to save money. But we need to recognize the most important thing is not the money we save here on earth, but the, the, the treasures that we send on to heaven. That's what Jesus said. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on this earth, but instead lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. I believe that applies to our giving to God but I also think it applies, applies to our giving of our talents, our giving of our time. We're, we're laying up for ourselves treasures in heaven when we focus on spiritual things rather than just on earthly things. Now, when we think about this, this last step, develop biblical thinking, it has to do with our motivation. Why do we do what we do? What is deciding what's important and not being distracted and disciplining ourselves toward godliness? Why do we do it? Because we believe that God knows what he's talking about. Because we believe the eternal is more important than the temporal, than the here and now. And therefore, some of us need to repent. Repentance basically means to change our mind. It means to change our thinking, to develop biblical thinking, to think like the Lord Jesus Christ. If we're thinking like the Lord Jesus Christ, then we're going to be praying without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 17. If we are indeed resolved to do what is profitable in the light of eternity, then according to 2 Corinthians 10, 5, we're going to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. In other words, we're going to seek to think like Jesus. We're going to be seeking to think biblically. That's why it's important for us to meditate on the Word day and night, to delight ourselves in the law of the Lord and meditate in it day and night. Then we'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. Its leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. In other words, when we develop biblical thinking, it makes a difference in every area of life and ministry. Joshua chapter 1 and verse number 8 is a portion of Scripture that, that God is encouraging Joshua. He, he's basically saying to Joshua, Joshua, you need to trust me and trust my promises, but you also need to make sure that you focus on my word. He said, this book of the law shall not depart out of my mouth, but out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. Then you'll make your way prosperous. Then you'll have good success. When you meditate and obey on God's word, then it helps us to be successful from God's perspective. So it's important for us to decide what is important, to do not get distracted, to discipline ourselves toward godliness. But the way that we do that 
is by developing biblical thinking. Meditating on the Word of God. Spending time in prayer. Making sure that His thoughts are our thoughts. That we are seeking to think like Jesus. Because if we think like Jesus, then we will tend to act like Jesus as well. I guess if we asked ourselves the question, am I like Jesus? Most of us would have to say, you know, maybe in some ways, but not like I ought to be. Well, that's, that's, that means we need to change. We need to repent. We need to decide what is important. Make sure that we do not get distracted. Discipline ourselves toward godliness, doing what we ought to do, whether we want to or not. And then, day by day, develop biblical, Christ-like thinking. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we can prove his good and acceptable and perfect will for his honor and for his glory. Let's bow together in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what Paul had to say to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4. And I pray that we will take it to heart that we will really think about what's important in our lives. Make sure that we focus on that. We don't get distracted. Instead, we discipline ourselves toward godliness because that's so important. Doing what we ought to, whether we want to or not. And Lord, help us to develop biblical thinking because as we think more like you, we're going to act more like you. As we become more like you, then it's going to be a scenario where we honor and glorify you by what we say. And by what we do. Lord we thank you for, for your love. For your mercy. For your grace. For your patience. We thank you that if we confess our sins. You are faithful and just to forgive us. And to cleanse us. Because none of us have been as disciplined as we should be. We've not uh, made sure that we're focused on the priorities that you have. So I pray Lord that you'll change us. Little by little you'll help us to become more like the Lord Jesus Christ. So that we can honor and glorify you. Lord, help us to be genuine disciples, bearing much fruit, and thereby glorifying you as we abide in Jesus Christ. All of this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.